It is time to tune up the band and board our own satellite of love, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Afternoon, chaps. And for anyone who actually got my Mystery Science Theatre 3000 reference, I owe you a drink. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> MST free K, baby. I love mm. that show far too much. But yeah, how are you, chaps? It's been a rough week. I'm not gonna lie, but it's been a now, week, isn't it? <laughs> it's been a week. Ah, oh, just an absolute massacre of a week, and it's probably not going to be any easier. So let's just get this party started. <laughs> All right, then. Um, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and always. And forever be pending the other platforms. I don't know why I did that with an accent, but I'll I'll go with it. You sounded like <laughs> you sounded like weird drunk Chris Jericho. I think a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> Le champion. Le champion. <laughs> well, Bruce Campbell was the sweet as the French chef in uh, or French waiter in Spider Man. Oh, yeah. for Becker. <laughs> that is what they said. Becker. <laughs> Oh god, I remembered that bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love Spider-Man. Spider- that's so Spider- stupid. Spider-Man. Spider-Man Three has an energy about it. Although it does. Although let's just, I let's just say for love. reference. <laughs> let's just say for reference. Let's put this in here for anyone that is wondering and has seen the title of this episode. We will be talking about Spider-Man later. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, we absolutely. Will. <laughs> we'll be talking about a lot of things, won't we? Oh gosh, we will be. We really will. But before we get onto all of that goodness and talking about all of every or every wrestler's cameo appearance in uh, in Hollywood, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun 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 down. Wrestling news. <laughs> Bone size ready. Oh, you got a little, a little. Hey, bit look! Of, you, little. Hey, stop stealing! Stop calling spots! <laughs> stop calling spots! I don't like this. Oh, um, let's get into uh, the week that was. <laughs> it's because it certainly was. Oh, um, how bad is it? How bad so is we're going to start. We're just going to start off with the usual week review, and I'll try and motor through this because there's about eight shows to talk about. Oh, Christ, yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, so first off, with Raw, super happy to see the Viking Raiders back. Hey, um, hey. it's kind of annoying that it's like while one of them is injured, they just can't exist. Yeah. Yeah. But they are back now, and uh, they got the win over Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, who shouldn't be taking pins, but they are also the only other tag <laughs> team than the champions, so, you know. Yeah, we move. Could be worse for the pair of them. They could still be on Raw Underground. Yeah, <clears throat> like, it, it, could you like, now I feel like we have to think about, like, the the alternate universe where Raw Underground can still exists. And it's the most popular segment in the entirety of Raw. Yeah. Um, we now know that after having returned recently, Charlotte Flair is now having to take some more time out. It's personal health reasons. They said yeah. my, I've seen differing reports. Some said minor surgery. Some said it was like dental work. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we know that she's having to take some time out. So no idea how that's going to influence Raw's decisions over like the next week or so, but they put in a whole thing about her attacking an official and getting a big fine. 
Yeah, I think wasn't it? I think it was Raw Talk, wasn't it? Where they had Adam Pearce coming in and whispering. It's It's stupid though because it's like Raw Talk makes more sense than actual Raw at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Like Raw Talk actually has rules. (laughs) Go home, Raw. You're drunk. Like their post show, their post show has like regularly, pretty regularly now has like better promos and makes more sense. God, it's what a sad, sad world we're living in, wrestling. And <laughs> that is true. But, um, no, so then we had Matt Riddle versus Randy Orton, which was like an, a, a, an okay match. Uh, Matt Riddle surprisingly getting the win, but, um, we then had the whole thing of uh, Sheamus then meeting with Adam Pearce afterwards, talking about like cementing the legacy. And I'm just gonna say, honestly, for Raw right now, Sheamus is not a bad US champion. Yeah, like yeah. he's genuinely actually a pretty good choice for them. I, I I I'm liking it. I'm liking they're bringing back the open challenge. Yeah, it's good. Hey. We'll have a good open challenge. Um, we then had Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax versus Lana and Naomi. Um, <laughs> What's Nia doing this week? <laughs> Instead of screaming yeah. by hole. No, she's her new thing is falling over now. Is, is that is that her gimmick? <laughs> yeah, it's falling pretty over? much her gimmick now. Uh, for, for when they were on Raw, because it was the whole thing of... Uh, it was Maddie Rose that fell over at WrestleMania. She slipped over at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they were like, haha, Nia Jax is going to make fun of her. Then she falls over. Comedy gold. Um, but yeah, so then Lana and Naomi getting the win. Uh, hopefully it keeps going further for them. I think they're a nice little addition to the women's tag scene. Yeah. Um, it just kind of remains to be seen where it goes from there. We had Ms. TV featuring Maurice. <laughs> just nice to see her back. Woo! <laughs> So, I'm not fading in excitement, I swear. <laughs> um, we then had Kofi Kingston versus Elias, which was an interesting match. Can but, remember, uh, it's it's not even it's, it's been two years now. Two years. Hmm. Yeah. And wow. and yeah, yeah. I mean, like more than anything, it was just kind of like odd. Mm. Just in terms of like how it was arranged as a match, yeah. Mm. Um, and like Elias getting the win with a diving elbow drop, and just like I can't remember this happening before, but sure. Mm. Um. So, uh, okay. So now let's try. Let's try and explain the fiend storyline to Reardon now. <laughs> yes. What's going on here? Alexa Bliss has kind of like separated away from the fiend and now has her own place called alexa's playground and also there's another demon doll okay basically it's wrestling gothic horror i don't hate that with a possessed angelica doll sorry it's excuse me it's called lily uh, Lily, as the sorry. most like on the nose naming possible. I mean, it does look a little bit like Angelica Pickles, kind of it fusion does. danced with 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 her Cynthia doll. But um, huh. like it, it it like they've gone they've gone pretty on the nose for the name. But to be fair, like I I understand why. Mm. Um, 
but it's basically Alexa being like, uh, I was helped by the dark, and now the dark will help me. Woo. <laughs> I wait. She's, no, yeah, she is Bane all of a sudden. <laughs> you really adopted the dark. <laughs> I I would be very interested in seeing Alexa Blitz pull off a backbreaker on the fiend. I I would not. <laughs> I would not hate it. I would be fascinated to be quite like, honest. Like I think it's the direction that it's weirdly going, but I, I don't hate it. And uh, I just I don't I, obviously it's hard to kind of really truly gauge where this is going at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I I I feel But like I I'm kind of thinking like there's clearly a bigger picture at work here, but I hope it's just there that is. stuff yeah. is like kind of happening and then I'm kind of like filling in the blanks. I pray there is something bigger at play. I I never thought we'd have to we'd have to figure out the deep lore of the fiend, but here we are. Um. Uh, Drew McIntyre then faced off against T Bar and Mace, and their their masks came off. So now can they be? <laughs> but now we know who they are. Oh my God! It's Dominic Dijakovic and Dio Madden. Who could have guessed? <laughs> Thank goodness Dijakovic has his hair back. <laughs> And like, let me just say this, right? I I know people who be like, "Oh, it's the story. It's the storyline." Like, it is, but also the point about me saying that is the WWE Twitter account put out a tweet. They're like, "Oh my god, it's these people! Can you believe it?" And oh, I'm no. just like, I don't know. Something said it to me. Maybe it was the fact that he did. He had Dijakovic's moveset or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. Can um, they but... can they get rid of T Bar and Mace now, or do they have to be forever like, or like Shorty Gable have to forever be associated with those names? Do you know the funny thing is they haven't cleared that up yet. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, then just a kind of a, a quick slide through on the rest of it. Uh, the Miz uh, against Damian Priest. Uh, Damian Priest gets the win. Uh, and then Oscar beat Charlotte Flair uh, via pinfall. Uh, going on then next, just to go over to Impact, and just to say, do watch out for Impact Rebellion pay per view because it does look like it's going to have some good some good to it. Yeah, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to the main event. A lot of me is going. I really want Rich Swan to win, but I feel like that's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen, although if you want a good match to watch out for, um, then I would say potentially Good Brothers versus Finjuice. Yeah. It really just depends on how the Good Brothers are when they turn up. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, you're Um, right. You're right. (laughs) And then I would say uh, Eric Young's match. Yes. is Is worth checking out. You know what the good thing about Impact has been lately? is how Kenny Omega is actually really good as a heel in, in Impact. They're actually it's booking like, him it, and promoing it, him as a heel. It's Well, the thing is, it's like it's good to see that they understand the point that they've got to come at it from now. Yeah. Um, going over to AEW quickly. Uh, personally, one of my... Pretty much one of my favorite weeks of AEW in uh, I won't say a while, but there was there was a lot of good out of this uh, Christian versus Will Hobbs or Powerhouse Hobbs as he is now. 
Uh, it was absolutely match. fantastic match. That was a really good match. Um, it's just nice to actually see them playing off the point that like he's actually experienced. Like it's such a small thing, but I feel like AEW actually do make a point of that. Yeah. Um. Uh, Ricky Starks versus Adam Page was again another fantastic match. They really, really need to realize just how good they've got it with Ricky Starks. Uh so good. He's so and they, they also good. they also have the the amazing as well Hook brother. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Taz. Okay, that's one of my that's one of my new favorite Taz things. <laughs> I raise the glass to Taz because he has been on such incredible form since he started in AEW. Oh, so good. So good. Um, but no, like they. To be fair, Ricky Starks and Adam Page is like two massive people for the future of uh, the near future of AEW. It's it, just a question of when, really. It's no fair that Adam Page is the same age as me. He's the same age as you. Yeah, he is. It's no. It's not fair, is it? Oh. Oh no. <laughs> I know. Um. Just to just to say the match which I called Penta versus Trenta, <laughs> yes. just so I can remember it. Um, I mean, I guess the first thing off is that um, Alex Abrahantes is is, is 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 in a weird way, he's a face commentator that's a great heel manager. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he did go for the most London thing possible, which was that to distract Trent, he just said "your mum." <laughs> <laughs> yes. I loved that part, and I was like, "Oh, so uh, aggressive I'm so proud to be British right now." <laughs> Your Even though I know he has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a, it was a pretty good match, and I dare I say, surprisingly, not a bad distraction finish. Hmm. At least it didn't ha- it didn't have a roll up. I guess is the the qualifier for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Winner of this match by a Your Mum roll up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's, there's there's some kind of joke in there to be had. There has to be. Um, absolutely. I mean, I was to say, fan, like, fantastic. I mean, it's a, it was again a, a really really great women's match for AEW. Oh, this yeah, this match is um, awesome. Nikari versus Ty Conti. Ty Conti has come so far <laughs> all i'm saying is hunter you shot yourself in the foot sir <laughs> i don't even know what it is that is though because honestly i feel like i look at it and i think i don't know whether or not ty conti with the style that she works would have succeeded in wwe because i just don't mm. think this the system rewards it no i don't yeah i don't think it does um, I don't know. It's hard to describe, <laughs> but it works so incredibly well for her in AEW. Yeah, it like it, it, it works so great for her. And like, let's not take anything away. There were some absolutely banger spots in this match. Oh god, yeah, from the pair of them, from Sheeta and Conley. Um, but no, it was, it was. They were abs- They were both absolutely, um, absolutely fantastic. Um, I guess personally, one of my new favorite things that they're doing with AEW is that they're they're using a stable to build up other people, but it's like the person at the lead of it isn't the focus. Because mm. it is kind of odd to try and describe like what the factory is doing. Yes, but I guess the closest way of describing it is it's like 
Oh yeah, the guy who is leading like the recruits is like a pushover. Mm. But the but his students are the ones you need to watch out for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which uh, I yes. love. Uh, yes, Cobra Kai rules. <laughs> yeah, basically Cobra Kai rules. Sweep the leg. Because <laughs> um, then we also had... Um, I mean, it wasn't on uh, this edition uh, of AEW, but uh, Anthony Agogo making his in-ring debut. Which I enjoyed. Uh, fairly recently. Dude, I think it was good. He's, he, he's made that transition from boxer to wrestler incredibly well. Like I, I, I genuinely think he has, he has got it to hand. He he has got ability. He's obviously still, he's obviously still green. Mm. But like, compared to some people, I'd say he's got a good grasp of it. And he's a person that loves the business. Yeah, and to the people complaining that a gut punch is not a good finisher, the guy's an Olympic is is an Olympic boxer. Anyone who's Olympic bronze medalist. Let anyone who says that has never taken a gut punch in their life. Yeah. Nah. Mate. Like the only thing I said with it was I was like, I oh, know the call from the referee just kind of seemed to be like he got punched, and the ref was like, immediately like, we need to stop this. Mm. <laughs> but like that's just that's just a matter of timing more than anything else. I can't really hold it against either of them for it. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, as an aside for AEW, um, please go. Please go out of your way to watch uh, Elevation. Um, if not, just to see the last two matches with uh, Kanosuke Takeshita from DDT Pro, who's been yeah. making appearances for AEW, because he is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I was so yeah. happy to see him in AEW. I fucking love the wheelbarrow German. Yeah. Um, but also uh, for the most for the most recent one, go um, go and watch Layla Hirsch and Rio Mizunami versus Nyla Rose and Maddie Rinkowski. Yeah, because uh, <sighs> Layla Hirsch and Rio Mizunami are pretty damn great together. Yeah, that match goes, and they were so good. They worked so well together. Uh, just going over quickly to NWA Power, uh, just to really give a. I just want to say, I guess, a, a quick shout-out to obviously how they're doing with Camille right now because Camille is looking pretty fantastic. She's uh, lined up for a match against Thunder Rosa at uh, When Shadows Fall. Yeah. Is, uh, I believe in June. But uh, I guess my bigger thing is, like, NWA, please. <laughs> Why do you have to use Tyrus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have Matt Cross. Yeah. Just freaking twenty. Why does no company use Matt Cross? Seriously, like please, just anyone else. <laughs> okay, please. I have to ask: Is that guy a nerd? Hugh Tyrus or M Dog? No, Matt Cross. I think so. He's okay. the biggest nerd going. I think the yeah. Matt Cross. Okay, is. because the moment I see Matt Cross, I'm like that motherfucker watches anime. That guy watches anime. I see. He does. He does some. Uh, he always used to do anime style shit in the ring. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. He. Yeah. That. That. That's Macross. Literally uh, named himself out of a mecha. Come on now. <laughs> uh, going over to uh, NXT, uh, just to say, uh, hashtag Index stays winning. Yeah. He will not be moved. This is uh, the true love story of 2021. Yes. 
Yes, a, a psychopath and a woman who is willingly wanted to be in the arms of a psychopath. It's 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 like Told you, she's been inside watching too many true crime documentaries. But I support it. <laughs> I humble a bit I do like this storyline. I don't know why, but I do. It's, it makes me laugh. And who you do need a good chuckle in this time in in this day and age. It's just great because it shows off what you can do with like a character like Dexter Loomis. Mm-hmm. Which is that, like, it doesn't have to be serious because, like, you can make him serious whenever you want to be, but it also you can just throw him in as, like, um, you know, playing the straight man exactly. in something that's incredibly ridiculous. <laughs> My immediate thought of looking at this now is, like, uh, if only Christy Heavy were this forthcoming with him when he was in Impact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, he wasn't the same then. <laughs> that is true. That is true. He was still living in his mum's basement. If everyone's seen that promo of him going, what are you doing? my bedroom yep i still remember it (laughs) uh we had uh grizzled young veterans versus breezango which was a nice little match um i guess it touches on a thing that um me and my friends have been saying about which is that as it goes grizzled young veterans are obviously really good at what they do Mm. but i always get the feeling that like Americans don't get it. Yeah. Mm. I feel like there's something that they're missing. I feel... You know what it is, I feel? It's a live crowd. Yeah, they get, they, well. get, they get They get their shtick over and their promos over so much with the crowd. I mean, I've been in crowds where they've had shoes thrown at them. Oh damn! That's how good Zach Gibson is at riling a crowd up, and I feel oh, like man. that is—it's just so the sorely ultimate, missed. That the ultimate disrespect. Nah, that's that's jeez. <laughs> nah, I know about. I was about to this. say something. I was about to say something, and I was like, I shouldn't say it. <laughs> I'll say it. Getting the George Bush treatment. Ain't there we go. Listen, George Bushy. Listen, listen. It happened. It's a part of history. <laughs> Come now. Um, we had the debut of uh, Saray, formerly Sari. Um, did a lot of work progressing Diana. Um, and uh, as I've said to many people, ranging from people like uh, Scotch over at um, Shining Wizard Discord to my friends who know nothing about Joshi genuinely the lot like since 2020 joshi has become like the thing and it needs to be absolutely does it need to be (laughs) and it makes the amount of people i saw watching like commenting on this match saying like oh my god it's so like sorry so good i'm like look there's a whole world of people out there that are like that Mm -hmm. Mm. and just like hey more people go and watch joshi (laughs) Please, because it's fucking awesome. DM us on Twitter. I'll, I'll I'll talk to my people and get you a list of promotions to watch. <laughs> um, Cruiserweight Open Challenge: Kushida versus Oni Lorcan. Kushida getting the win. I love the fact um, he's now fully embracing Sakuruba. Yeah, dude, I'm all I'm all here for it. It's Sakuraba, but it also has time splitters on the back. <laughs> it was trained by Sakuraba as well, so it's a lovely yeah. tribute to him. And I was just like, I like it's this still Kushida. Fitting. 
I like this Kushida a lot. I'm, I'm all here for this Kushida. And like, you know, if if NXT is kind of going the weird kind of direction it is, where like the cruiserweight title is turning into this like weird pseudo pure title, <laughs> I'll take like, it. Hell yeah, I'll take that. Uh, we had Imperium basically in a squash match against Everrise, but it just makes Imperium look great. And I love Alexander Wolf being there as, like, I guess, like a supervisor. <laughs> he is the chairman, basically, as he kind of, as he, he's, he's fulfilling his role like he did in Ring Kampf as the yeah, kind of Yeah, he's, like, he's like there and he has to go and watch them and be like, yes, good. <laughs> I should have passed back to the Ring Denavala. Um, and then we had uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus Cameron Grimes. Fun fact about this: before this match, Cameron Grimes was talking about NFTs and cryptocurrency because he's. I current. can't escape it. <laughs> there is uh, there is something amazing about a North Carolina businessman, which is basically his gimmick now, <laughs> talking Pretty about much. NFTs and cryptocurrencies. I wonder if there's an I know Undertaker's in the NFT game. I wonder if there's an NFT of Undertaker going. That's awesome. <laughs> I hope so. I'm not saying that I would. I'm not saying that I would pay for it because I already have that video saved on my phone about yeah. twenty times. That's awesome. It's just a platinum version of him just going, Scooby Doo. That's awesome. All elite Scooby Doo. <laughs> Wait, this okay. is I'm sorry. I love this so much. It always oh. makes me laugh. Oh, Christ, <laughs> oh come on Undertaker look, ever living in for me Undertaker's cap- short lived cameo career I even care it was unintentionally some of the funniest stuff that's ever been produced <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know what it is about that just that two seconds of just the Undertaker going, that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> what was it it's that deadlock joke where they make they make the joke of Undertaker go wait this was fake that's awesome. <laughs> Anyhow, oh, well, no, we're going right, way off track. Yeah, this is like way off track, but it's also just the aside of just. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting here waiting for you guys. Are you done? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we will be done. We will be done after this, which is um, it just any time anything happens now on like Deadlock or like new legacy videos. It's just like them just constantly saying, "That's awesome." Because <laughs> if um, this read it, I'll go to hell. <laughs> Which did have its anniversary recently, we should say. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Red the anniversary of Austin being punched off a bridge in Detroit. <laughs> you, you t- I fucking love wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> yes. Oh, was it? He said, I love that at the end of that, after he sends him off the bridge, uh, he takes his stone cold smoking skull tile and goes, oh, you can take this to hell with you. <laughs> I don't care. It's it's like the one of the greatest rock lines ever. It shows. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll probably catch a mutated freak standing at a piece of trash. <laughs> oh, it's peak rock, but no, happy anniversary to rock killing Stone oh. Cold. All right, on to SmackDown. <laughs> I should say, this week's SmackDown was pretty damn great. It was. It really was. Um, one of my personal favorite highlights was Seth Rollins just leaving. <laughs> A match and just being like, I'm Seth Rollins. What am I doing here? And I was just like, same to Seth. Same. 
saying. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be worse, Seth. You still could be feuding for the 597th year with the Mysterios. Yeah. That is true. Um, We had uh, Tamina versus Nia Jax, which is like this new kind of feud within the slowly developing feud between Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Also, Reginald was there. Haven't seen him for ages. Hey! Um, but no, I mean, like, Tamina and Natalia are looking pretty damn great and setting themselves for a solid place on the card. I guess it just kind of remains to be seen when Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler go from here. Yeah, which is in, which you know poses the larger, which is part of the larger question: where the hell was the tag team division going? But you know, I mean, yes, that is also that's an evergreen question. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to say, I have to say this, Reardon, this is for you. I hate when you say that. Oh no, this is good though. Okay. Guess what? Hmm. Someone is now using the Samoan spike again. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's Apollo Cruises heavy. <laughs> but oh. someone is using the Samoan spike again. Uh, you know what? All right, Commander it's Aziz, fun. the former Dubba Kato, the former Bubba Tunde. Right. He's calling it the Nigerian nail now, Reardon. That is true, yeah. Sorry, I, I should have mentioned that bit, but also <laughs> I didn't want to for the sake of his own sanity. <laughs> I mean, he is still he is still cosplaying as the last king of Scotland as well. So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, like genuinely, that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> it's not it's not wrong in the slightest. But... <laughs> now I'm just imagining. Now I'm just imagining him with his goons, just, just, just like shouting at him. He's like, "Because you did not persuade me." <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! You know what? You know what? If, if he, if he, if he goes for a timely, a very timely Idi Amin vibe, I might like the gimmick, despite <laughs> myself. Oh gosh! I want that to happen now. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like um, Apollo Cruz's Nigerian accent is getting more and more cliche with the weeks that go oh, by. It was inevitable. <laughs> like I cannot. Well, there's only so that. far you can go. Exactly. Until when you're up until that point. If anyone's seen the very infamous Ugandan morning news show video of that guy very questioning questioning a gay person as to why they're gay, then you'll know how far it's going. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! It's beginning to sound a bit like that, Reed, and I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we uh, never said it was fun. <laughs> that and see, now I'm now I'm thinking about what 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 this this um this lovely lady I dated once would think about it because she was from Uganda. I wonder how she feels about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. We'll see where it goes. But I'm just glad to see Apollo Crews as Intercontinental Champion. It's nice to see that. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? But you know what's even better to see? Mm. Alistair Black is back in Return Vignettes. <laughs> hey. He's reading us bedtime stories now. Yeah, evil bedtime stories about how he wants to hurt people and potentially kill them. 
but but so so he's just so literally just bedtime stories. We've all read Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah, basically, it's like it's like the story is like the stories of the Grimm brothers, but like the original post medieval versions. <laughs> basically, it's the Grimm's brother. It's the Grimm. Yeah, it's the Grimm yeah, brothers. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but I, like, not, but like without but without like the yeah. Disney meddling. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> Just the way like, we all like it. Like, yes, my father was looking after me. Then I found out that he was in a cult and wants me to kill people. <laughs> oh, and apparently there's a moral in there somewhere. Uh. <laughs> what, they asked oh, the black thing here or the... <laughs> Both. Ah, <laughs> noted. We'll see how far this goes because, well, we know their track record with spoopy gimmicks. Yes, it is. But my kind of brief hold up is I'm like, okay, but like technically he's on SmackDown now, so we have a higher percentage chance. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, Lord. Um, we had the Mysterios versus Alpha Academy, and so as far as we know now, the Mysterios are now gearing up for a, I believe, a tag title match. Uh, which will be at uh, Backlash, which this year is WWE WrestleMania Backlash. You know, on top of WrestleMania SummerSlam and then WrestleMania Hell in a Cell and WrestleMania Survivor that a, Series. That is an impressively clunky title. But that, like, the point of Backlash is it was the pay-per-view after WrestleMania. Because <laughs> now you're beating, a dead, you're beating a dead horse now. It's like, we're making it as obvious as we possibly can. Oh, well, it could have been worse. could have been WrestleMania Great Balls of Fire. Hey, look, I'll have you know that Great Balls of Fire was a great pay-per-view. The name just sucked. <laughs> yes. At least we got the um, main event we all wanted to see in that one, but alas. Yeah. But, um, and now on to possibly my favourite promo of this week, <laughs> which was Daniel Bryan and Cesaro with Jey Uso, and then just... Cesaro just deciding to just keep swinging Jay until yeah. Roman came out. <laughs> it was like it was like, oh man, you know, here to look after your cousin. All right, then I guess they're just gonna have to be here with us. And Cesaro just starts swinging him while Daniel Bryan's talking on the mic. <laughs> oh my! I I am. You know what? I want to like. Shout out to you, Uso man. How shout out to you for wanting for being willing to take that. Cause that ain't nice. <laughs> oh gosh. I mean look, we don't need to talk about Cesaro because well, we all know our we everyone knows our stance it's on Cesaro. Cesaro. We love Cesaro. Yeah. It's great seeing him in this position. Cesaro be Cesaroing. Oh. But yeah, so then we get to the we get to the ending promo. Uh, and Roman's there with Jay and uh, Paul Haven. And then so Roman says to Cesaro that he hasn't earned the opportunity yet, but he wants to face Daniel Bryan. And it's basically... I mean, basically the stipulation is, like, in old school terms, loser leaves town. It's like, if you lose, I don't want to see you around here again, which means, I don't know, Daniel Bryan will probably just go... I mean, he said he's probably going to be going part-time. Hmm. So it's either a vehicle for that, or they're just going to send. They're just going to have him on. I don't know. He could have him in NXT for a bit or something. Hold on. I thought that. I thought that he was like actually retiring this time. No, he is, but he still has time on contract. Oh, uh, okay. 
I mean, I mean, I got that, but the thing is, I think Roman whispered most of his promo, which I feel like he's become his gimmick now of just like acknowledge me as your one true universal champion. Oh, by the way, if you lose that match next week, your ass is grass. Acknowledge me. <laughs> that is, to be fair, that is pretty much his gimmick at this point. Part of his gimmick at this point. Oh, by the way, uh, have, have any of you checked out the uh, the 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 Roman Reigns threesome shirt that he was wearing this week? You what? Oh, um, it was Smackem Stackem Pinem. Was it um, with a silhouette hmm. of Roman pinning both Edge and Brian? Hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> I I admire your energy, but perhaps I think that's what was on the shirt. I can't remember exactly. It, no, it was that. Yeah, Smackem Stackem Pinem. Again, like, here for it, and yet not. <laughs> There's a Roman Reigns poppet, which is going to be smack him, stack him, pin him. Acknowledge me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I feel I feel like I'm, uh, like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing very alluring uh, noises towards Reed, and I apologise, Reed. I'm, I'm just kind of like, mate, mate. Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone off the rails and we're not even uh, into the part. Like... We'll, we'll quickly swing. We'll quickly swing over to New Japan because, as much as I don't like talking to them as much, this point I feel like I should. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, just want to say, great win for Gabriel Kidd over Yuya Mura. Yeah. Um, they're both two amazing uh, part of the Young Lions main unit for mm-hmm. New Japan. Um, two big wins for Suzuki Gana Road to Wrestling on Taku Night Ten. Um. Shame about them getting the win over Rapongi 3K because they really should be moving them higher, but like we'll see. Yeah. Uh Bullet Club lose and then uh A stable B L I J. Oh my god, who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> I think you have the props to Jeff Cobb for that one. But um just finally, um as the last bit, um New Japan Strong was pretty damn great. Yep. Uh Great match between Rocky Romero and Wheeler Yuta. Oh, so um, good. Potential talk around Wheeler Yuta appearing in Best of Super Junior. Which I'm all here for. Yeah, I am very much here for that. Um, and I hope that when the situation is a little bit more clear, we'll hopefully be having Rocky Romero appearing more on New Japan Main. Mm. Uh, rejoining up with Rapongi 3K. Um. And I, as horrible as this sounds, I kind of don't want to see him on MLW as much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I I know what you mean. I need to kind of reconfigure that personally. But now Tom Lawler beat Brody King to become the first New Japan Strong Openweight Championship holder. Not um, a bad decision at all. I kind of do like Tom decision. Lawler. I mean, two very good people to choose from. Yeah. I'm happy, and I'm especially happy they didn't give it to TJP, so... Hey. <laughs> yep. No. Uh, with that though, we're done with the news. Awesome. As real your... quick, I have no. I have news. Real quick, real quick. Oh and yes. It actually, and it actually fits in with the um, with with the um the theme today. So, um, quick recommendation. I recommendation is hydration. Because I have no real recommendation today. But out of the news, apparently it has been reported that 
are a good friend of the podcast, and by friend, it's we just love him. Dave Batista has revealed that he has pitched to Warner Brothers and DC to allow him to play the Batman villain Bane. I mean, like, let's be honest, right? He's about as perfect as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And if that happens, let him Batista bomb Batman. That's my only note. I just that can now. That's, can you imagine that's how you Batman broke the his back. <laughs> picture the visual: Batista power bombing Robert Robert Pattinson. <laughs> so many people have been saying they want to see that. <laughs> Leave Pattinson alone. He's a good actor, <laughs> man. Not, but honestly, like Tenet and The Lighthouse, have been are two incredible films. And if you really are still hung over on him being in twilight watch those films because he's really freaking good in yeah, he is like he is like genuinely a good actor but it's just like unfortunately he's just going to be constantly followed by like harry potter fans and twilight fans <laughs> and we are still talking about dave batista by the way no. <laughs> yes we are still talking about dave batista so yeah i hope that happens that's all that's my note continue on <laughs> <laughs> So not only with hydration are we recommending, of course we're recommending our good friends over at Graps Apparel uh, for uh, for their uh, merch, awesome merch. I re- realised and just seen that they had released a new shirt uh, for Davy Richards, which looks really freaking cool. So get on over to grapsapparel.com and uh, use the code SWEETCHIN for 10% off your order. That's SWEETCHIN. <laughs> Alrighty then, so let us get on to the main portion of this episode, which is wrestlers in films. Oh, this one is a doozy. Now, gentlemen, I have chronicled and watched most of these films that we're going to be talking about, ones that I've listed. I've also managed to pull up review scores and their percentage ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. So I've done quite a bit of research this week. <laughs> I have watched a ton of really good films. Well, I say not, well, not a ton. A ton of really bad films and a few good films. Because yeah. let's be honest, the track record of wrestlers in films isn't great. <laughs> not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> not great at all. All right, so... Before we get on to our usual thing of, of listing our best, our worst and our best, I feel that we need to really give a sh- uh, shine a spotlight on three particular wrestlers who, let's be honest, have done, well, depending on who you who you look at or talk to as well, have done the best or indeed the absolute worst <laughs> films known to man. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about the three obvious suspects. We're going to talk about Hogan Rock and Batista. And we're going to start off with Hogan as the person who really started off, but boy, did he make it hard for other wrestlers to try and make a career in film. <laughs> it started off great. His first appearance was as Thunderlips in Rocky Free, which in my opinion is the most I dare even say is the start of the campy Rocky films. Oh, no, one, it absolutely is. And two, I'm sorry, Rocky 3 does not hold up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to just choose violence real quick. Rocky 3 does not hold up. Rocky 4 is dog shit. I don't care. Rocky 5 is actually better. I don't care. Touch me and I'll sue. 
<laughs> but I love, I do love that sequence, the Thunderlips Rocky fight. Um, just because it's just Hogan being Hogan. And, <laughs> and you realise this, this. For better this, or worse. <laughs> for better or worse, absolutely. Also, you have this film to blame for Hogan having the atomic leg drop as his finisher in WWE. Wait, hold up, really? Yeah, because yep. he, because... Uh, before then, when he was in the AWA and made a big name for himself in Japan, he was using the Axe Bomber, which honestly is a much better finisher. It's a it's running a lariat. Better move. It's an infinitely better move. But no, Vince saw the star potential after Rocky Free signed him and wanted him to l- use the leg drop. Right. <laughs> Weird old film. And as I said, it hasn't aged well. It does have the best ending scene with that fight between, uh, with that, like, the start of the bout between Rocky and Apollo, you know, trash talking before they throw a punch, which is. You, you, uh, oh, oh, I, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. It's not Apollo. Was Apollo it? is one and two. Oh, yes, it was. No, Club, I meant the Club ending Lang. scene, you know, where they, you know, when they have that oh, artificial yeah, third yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. as I said, that is the best yeah. ending to a Rocky film, if you ask me. No, that, that's. Purely for Carl Weathers going ding ding. That that's very fair. I I I really I could really go off on a chant tangent with Rocky Free, but I will say this really quickly. Can I just can we acknowledge how racist Paulie is in that movie? Oh yeah. Christ! Yes, he is. Like it never comes up again. That dude is racist as hell. Hey Paulie, what are you going to say there? <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, you know that it's there and like you want to say something about it, but also it just kind of exists in its own space. That's Philadelphia for you. All that being said, though, it still has a 63% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 63 is fair. 63 is fair. I can't argue with that. Okie doke. So after that and getting the massive success that he did in WWF, Hogan's next film, of course, would be No Holds Barred, which was a new line, was a co-production between New Line Cinema and the WWF. I have watched this film. I am not the biggest mm-hmm. fan of this film. The only thing that redeems this is Tiny Lister, rest in peace, as he plays Zeus. Rest in peace, Tiny Lister. And uh, every time that uh, I, I, I recently also watched the Brian Zane um, a review of this, and every time oh, yeah. he popped on screen, he did the Debo gimmick of just taking all of his jewelry off and hiding it. <laughs> but no, this film is. I, I don't want to talk too much about it because it is a film that's seen to be believed. It's like, a, what a way to stroke the ego of both Hogan and McMahon at the height of its popularity in the WWF. It's mm. a nonsensical plot. It really doesn't make much sense. Zeus is Zeus. <laughs> Stan Hansen's in this film, funnily enough. Which really confused the hell out of me when I first watched this. I went... Hold the fucking phone. Is that Stan Hansen? <laughs> Turns out, yep. Yep, the master of the Western Lariat was in this film. <laughs> uh, this film has a 10% rotten rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes for good, obvious reasons. Now, mm. I will like, talk about... To be honest, like, it's about where I would expect it. Yeah, yeah. But at least it has the great line, uh, Hogan's best line in all the film. What's that smell? Do you... Uh-huh. 
Oh god, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you, Hogan. Uh, well, I bet you that was that was kind of greenlit by Vince because, as we all know, he loves his poop jokes. He does, doesn't he? He really does. We have it on record before that, like, the f- apparently to Vince, like, the funniest thing in the universe is pushing someone into a pool. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> really, for some the peak of comedy. What a... <laughs> Okay. Oh, okay, so uh, touch upon his uh, little cameo appearance in Gremlins Two. It was a, it was a blink and you'll miss it cameo from Hogan. Right, uh, and then we get to quite obviously three of the worst films put on celluloid. Suburban Commando. Oh God, yeah, that's right. That has a fifteen percent rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Santa with muscles. That has oh, there it is. that has a four oh four not found on Rotten Tomatoes. Because <laughs> 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 of course it does. It's a film that is oh god, god it's terrible. The ha- and you think the hair piece in that film was bad, but oh no, we come to the absolute crock of shit that was Free Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain, the sequel to the the not great film The Free Ninjas. <laughs> This has a 0% rate, rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And for good reason, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty wow. accurate. That's oh, accurate, man. I'm not even going to go into the plot of this film. It's nonsensical. It's the three ninjas at an amusement park. Hogan plays a superhero-type character that's kind of washed out and out of luck. He's wearing a terrible hairpiece in this one that looks like it'll be blown off in the wind. <laughs> oh... Jesus H, this is terrible, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it any more time than that. <laughs> Let's go move straight on to a guy who did a lot better than Hogan, and that's The Rock. He although he he had a rough start. God, he did start off rough, but good goodness gracious, did he redeem himself? All right, Mummy Returns. Mummy Returns is good, but he has no lines. CG Rock. Is simply there. CG Rock is in my nightmares forever. <laughs> yes. I mean, understandably so. I, you know, as a kid, I really enjoyed this film. I really enjoyed the Mummy films quite a lot. They were kind of like schlocky, like pulp action films. Real talk, real talk. I, I am, I am more fond of the Mummy than I am of Indiana Jones. You know what? Fair <laughs> play, right, because like, I think let's be, Brent... real though, let's be real though, right? Like. Because I know, like, he obviously gets the love from our generation for it, but, mm. like, let's just say Brendan Fraser and the Mummy. Mwah. Yeah. Mm. What thing? Just beautiful. Such a bloody good role. Honestly, right, real talk, if, it, if, it, if, if, if the game was out then and they were making the movie adaptation around that time, I would have said Brendan Fraser would probably would have been a perfect Nathan Drake. Yeah. Oh, no, he yeah, would actually. He would have been. Yeah, no, he would have been perfect. Damn. <laughs> Definitely would have been a perfect day for Drake. But uh, this film has 47% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Which... What, The Mummy Returns? Yeah, really? Which, yeah. I, wow. I can... I would say it would probably be more of a 55 fresh, if you ask me. It's not a bad I, film. It's not I, Movie, I, I assumed I assumed it would be in the time. Yeah, yeah, I would assume I'd assume that was in like the sixty percent range. No. Honestly. Funnily enough. Wow, that's odd as hell. Yeah, that's that's is... the march of time, honestly. Yeah. Really. 
It really, really is. No, recommended. Not a bad way to make your debut in Hollywood, uh, for sure. Uh, his first leading role, though, would be, of course, The Scorpion King, the spin-off film of The Mummy Returns, which in itself would spin off into its own series of films, but we won't get into those. <laughs> well, maybe. Possibly. I mean, it goes all downhill when we get to Scorpion King 4 and it's Lou Ferrigno and flipping Roy cunt, Big Country Nelson and just like it's ex-MMA stars and Lou Ferrigno in there. They're just the there like, who can we get to go in this space? Yeah. <laughs> but no, Scorpion King, again, another film I didn't so much dislike. I quite enjoyed this film. See, the thing with the Scorpion King is the only memory I have of it was, like, watching it when I was younger. And the only reason I think I remember watching it was because my brothers wanted to watch it because it had The Rock in it. Yes! Yeah. That was the big the rock being in it, point. I don't think anyone would have seen the film. No. No. No, no. not at all. There's the reason was... why every subsequent sequel to those have been direct-to-video. Yeah, it literally was, like, one of those star power movies. I mean, because it's worth it's worth saying. I mean, this was a thing that constantly got cycled about, so it's probably it's probably changed since then. But uh, I feel like I'm like being weirdly nostalgic by saying when I was doing media studies for GCSE. It's not nostalgic at all. It's like <laughs> that's that's not nostalgic. That's not nostalgic. So <laughs> nine years ago, at this point, I remember um, my I remember my teacher saying that. Um, at the time, there were two people that could sell a movie by being in it, mm. which were Will Smith and The Rock. Yeah, yeah. And I think that pretty yeah. much holds true. That's Yeah, yeah. That, to this day, yeah. I feel that still holds true. And I think that's kind of been his kind of... That has been his, his thing, really, since he started. Yeah. Like, regardless of whether it's been a big-budget film or an indie film, it sold purely on the fact, oh, it's got Dwayne Johnson on there. Now I want to know what it, what the, a movie would be where Will Smith and Dwayne Johnson were in the same movie. I'd I'd be actually honestly very curious about that. I'd be I'd be interested to see. Right, make it like Hollywood. You may be full of something, but make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, sorry, is 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 there is there an, any kind of new theoretical superhero franchise that they could enact to Black, pretend, right, make try and get Will well, Smith and Black Adam? That's all I'm saying now. Yeah, how, but who would Will Smith play? God damn. That's a really tough casting, actually. Yeah. But mm, uh, I'll, I'll have to think on that. Think on that one. As as I tell you, that that, uh, that Scorpion King has a 41% rotten uh, rating, uh, which, understandable, it isn't as good as those two, the, the previous so, films. So, wait, so, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Mummy Returns was 44, right? 47 47 nah come on guys yeah that's... come on guys it's not even they're not in the same category that's ridiculous the scorpion king yeah but... yeah but mummy returns nah i'm not agreeing with that let me yeah. get right we get on to a couple of his action films his first action film possibly one of my favorites and i feel an underrated classic the rundown also known as welcome to the jungle in england oh love this film this film is so freaking good. <laughs> uh, it stars The Rock, of course, and Sean William Scott, but also Christopher Wacken. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> As the main antagonist. It's like, 
what a better way to have a debut action film than have Christopher Walken as your main antagonist. Great action set pieces. Pretty great. The Rock yeah, is really, really uber action hero in this one. And I, honestly, oh, yeah. some really great comedic moments between him and Sean William Scott. The the right. I say the one in particular is the pee scene, where he's drag, dragging him through the jungle, and he just goes, "I have to pee," and he just goes, "Pee your pants, move," <laughs> and he has to unzip his trousers to him to pee. Um, no, great film. Also, I forgot the world's greatest action hero or action star, Ernie Reyes Jr. is in this film as well. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, how about that. And has a fight scene with The Rock, which is freaking awesome if you've seen it. But no, 69% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is, that's the rating it definitely should deserve because it's a bloody good film. Uh, The next one, Walking Tall, is the rating I don't agree with. It's 26% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. I really like Walking Tall. I'm sorry. I thought it was pretty good. Mm. Again, it wasn't like the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life, but I didn't hate it. No, no. Um, it, it, in regards of like remakes, it's not a bad remake at all. A retelling of the Walking Tall story. Yeah, I think uh, it was really good showing by Rock again. Like he really played the role of Chris Vaughn really well, and the casting of Johnny Knoxville again was quite inspired. Those two worked really well together. Um, Which but, they really shouldn't have, frankly. They really shouldn't have. Oh, yeah, no, it shouldn't have worked at all in any capacity. But somehow they made it work. Fun fact about this, this this film, Walking Tall, was the actual debut feature film of one Kobe Smulders, who would end up becoming Agent Maria Hill in The Avengers. Wow, that was Kobe Smulders' debut. Yeah, she wow, was the man. woman in the car for Jay Hamilton, who was played by Neil McDonough, of course. Uh, that scene where he pulls Jay, o- uh, Chris Vaughn pulls Jay over and, you know, gets it, tells him to fix his taillights and then proceeds to ruin his taillights. Well, it's a really down. blink and you'll miss it role but yeah that's Kobe Smulders in that film uh, hey. of course now we talk about Doom <laughs> oh god well we'll just can I say about this movie right this movie literally has one redeeming part of it it's the first person sequence isn't it it's, that's literally the only redeeming part of this movie that and Carl Urban didn't do too much of a uh, a bad job because it's Carl Urban. Listen, I love Carl listen, Urban. Car, yeah, listen, Carl Urban literally can do no wrong in those movies. <laughs> I don't think it's possible for him. But then at least Rock had a very good line, you know, the, the super fly, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Two Fairy as well. Both both Doom and Two Fairy have an 80 70% rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that movie sucks so bad. <laughs> but you know what? If it weren't for that movie, we would not have the great working relationship of one Dwayne Johnson and Stephen Merchant. Yeah, so, it's true. So but that also still sucks. It's still weird to see the visual of Julie Andrews and Dwayne Johnson in the same film. Yeah. Also, The Rock being a black hockey player. Just let's just just, just get that visual in your brain. <laughs> I mean, mm, mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I have questions. We, we, that film raises so many questions; it really does. But let me go on and, and uh, end this 
end end rocks little segment with two with the two films that he's kind of really known for. The film that got him into the Hollywood prominence, of course, was Fast Five. Yeah. Great film. Uh, inspired casting choice. Uh, and uh, apparently that was Vin Diesel's idea. Vin Diesel would know, to be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, that man, that man, Vin Diesel, the biggest nerd on God's Green Earth, but also the coolest nerd on God's Green Earth. That's why we it's a bizarre man. Fascinating. This is the man that spearheaded the Riddick franchise, but also it's like, all right, but like D D. <laughs> exactly. The thing is that I can't stay mad at Vin Diesel because I unironically kind of like the Riddick films. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think my thing with Vin Diesel, and I know this is gonna sound rude when I say it, but he's one of those people where like he knows his limits. No, no, that's no, that's absolutely true. It's like, like he knows what he's good at, and it's like, yeah, okay, I don't need to do anything like really crazy, stupid. I know that I'm doing this. This is keeping me nicely. Like this is what I'm gonna do. And look, he's made. He's been able to afford a career where he's been able to open his own production company, release games, and be able to do sort of all of the kind of like nerdy passion projects he's always wanted to do. So you know what, Vin Diesel is the main nerd we all aspire to be. Vin Diesel is fine. He's fine. <laughs> but no, 77% uh, percent fresh. Very justified. I think The Rock pulled out a hell of a, a role as Luke Hobbs. And yeah. this is where we got Tank Rock, because good lord, he was ginormous in this film. He got only bigger. gotten so huge, man. <laughs> Wasn't it Pain and Gain, that film with Mark Wahlberg, where he literally looked like he ate a house? Yeah, can I, real quick, Pain and Gain is legitimately michael bain's masterpiece yeah. i love that movie it's a great movie <laughs> and of course we get to the rock's highest rated film on rotten tomatoes and with most critics and that is moana with a 95 percent fresh rating and yeah. quite rightly so because this film's great movie awesome great movie great movie fantastic movie and uh you may what way what way to get Lin-Manuel Miranda, a lifelong wrestling fan, a pipe dream of getting, not only writing a song, but getting The Rock to perform that song as well. Because, <laughs> boy, does he, when he goes, Rock does actually have a pretty damn good singing voice. Yeah, it's like, it's not bad at all. <laughs> so that's The Rock that we've whittled down. And of course, now we get to Batista, the man who I dare say, out of all of the wrestlers that we'll talk about who've been in films, has probably had one of the greatest careers so far in film. At the very least, one of the most damn interesting ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's been yeah. in critically acclaimed films here, there, and bloody everywhere. And can I just say, it's not only that, he has been one of the best parts of critically acclaimed films. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but he hasn't always hit it out of the ballpark, as I'll list down. So he started out with The Man with the Iron Fists, which, again, I liked that film. A great you little martial arts film. You would. <laughs> I'm a it's the RZA. Yeah. Like, let's be real, though, right? It's, it, it's everything you could want from from an action movie that also has the Wu-Tang Clan involved. Basically, I swear to God, that film is just the Rizzer's brain. 24 it is, pretty much. It, it is the most Wu-Tang that you could possibly get. But it's 51% rotted, which I guess, I guess, it makes it, if you're a martial arts film fan like I am, 
you probably rate it as more of like a 55 fresh, but ah, well, what can you do? His next film after that was Riddick, which again, not a, I, I'd ironically kind of like the Riddick films. Yeah, it's not awful. Uh, 50%, uh, 57% rotten on that. But then, of course, we get to the one that really, really strapped the rocket on him and sent him to the moon, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn, you absolute genius for casting him as Drax. It's just a, oh, it's a madass movie. Side one that I feel like doesn't get mentioned enough, mm-hmm. which was his appearance in, I believe, Skyfall. Oh no, no! I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I'll I get, to that, get moment. to that because personally, I think his appearance in Skyfall was bloody fantastic. I believe it was but actually Spectre. The no, Spectre actually Spectre. Spectre. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean he's. Drax is amazing, and I love him. <laughs> I, I think that's all that needs to be said, frankly. I tell you, no, yeah. Like, if I still remember going to watch that, and I still remember the bulk and the majority of the laughs came from from Drax and Drax alone. So funny, so bloody good. God. But damn. after that, he starred in a a film called L.A. Slasher with is it Kamal Nujani? I'm not sure. Kamal oh. Nujani. Yeah, I know the guy you mean. Um, this film's terrible. It has a zero percent rotten rating on the on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one way. I mean, as I said, it hasn't bat a thousand, and it's not the greatest of films. But at least it didn't affect him too much because then he would bounce back with Spectre, which yeah. honestly, the greatest modern day Bond villain ever. Oh, damn, damn. I mean, it is. I mean, like. I, I I have not watched Spectre, and I have a dumb reason, but so I won't, which I won't get into. <laughs> I still think, even though he has one line in the whole film, it's still the greatest line in that entire film. Is when you know he eventually doesn't get seen again. He just utters one word: shit. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Does everything that. And of course, I I go on to talk about probably his best role. And that's, of course, in Blade Runner 2049. The heart and soul of that movie. Without him, the movie doesn't work. That's all I can say. Uh, oh, gosh. He, is, he, he was... He was... I feel like a lot of people didn't expect him to really be as good as he did, even though he was in that film. I think it was for, like, 15 minutes was he in that film. It might be even less, and, the, and, the, and that movie just does not work without him. It's insane how yeah. good he is in that movie. He's... It's, strange how such a what you would think on paper as a minor character ends up becoming kind of oh he's the guy that's he's the really important guy that kicks everything off for the rest of the film 88 fresh i think it deserves a 91 if i'm particularly honest because it is better than the original i've come that i've come on now i have now oh oh, so i'm not insane it it is i've now i have now resided to the fact that i think it is a perfect sequel and indeed probably no, it is, it is better than the original Blade Runner. Oh, thank You've God I'm not You've won me over insane. on that for my mindset now, Reardon. Thank you, thank you, it really is. It's not to say that I didn't think it was it was, it was, was not as good as the original. There was a part of me that I think it was the nostalgia kind of holding on to Blade Runner. And of course, you know, the end speech with uh, Roy Batty. But no, I watched I think, it this week. I think and... the thing with it is that, like... <laughs> It's always had that issue of like, how do you follow up on something that's really, really good? And mm. you, you go and make something that's 
freaking better. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, personally, I'm just there and I'm like, when you think about the, the scale of what they had available when they made the original one to what they have now, yeah, it just adds into something that's uh, as good, if not better, to some people, depending on who you are. Indeed, indeed. 88, yeah. as I said, 88% fresh on that. And of course, we come to his biggest role uh, in the biggest film ever, commercially, I guess you could say, and that's Avengers Endgame with a 94% fresh rating. Uh, don't really need to say much more about this. Yeah. It's the biggest film so ever so far, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course uh, before I actually head off to the good and bad we've got to talk about of course his next film with Dennis Villeneuve uh, which was which is Dune which is coming out very soon and I'm very excited for that film I can't wait for that absolute madness we are we at the Sweet Chin Wag podcast are very excited for that film can't wait to to see what the hell is gonna happen I feel like I've done smack after watching the film then it fails if I don't have a piece of paper telling me what's going on I'm not gonna be (laughs) oh yeah no that's true that's true (laughs) I cannot I cannot wait to be utterly confused if I need to I'll bring my copy of Dune with me so we can refer to the glossary at the back <laughs> basically who do we think is going to be better is it going to be Karma Clacklin in the original or is it going to be Dave Batista? that will remain to be seen of who's going to be better at the who's going to be the better actor it's sting <laughs> anyway with all that out of the way we've got the usual suspects out of the way we're going to go on to our our good and bad and we're going to start off with the absolute well, we'll start off good. I want to start off good because it only gets downhill from here and I kind of want to save the bad for later. But, uh, okay, I'll start with my choice and I'm pretty sure it's a choice that Rian already has as well in his mind. And, of course, I think it's one of the best films of the late 80s and, indeed, probably one of the best films a wrestler has had in a leading role. And that's John Carpenter's They Live. That was my number one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's, it's a masterpiece. Before, which is that, like Roddy Piper is perfect for that kind of like B sci-fi horror genre. Yeah, like I don't know what it is about him that makes it so perfect for it, but everything seems to kind of all come together. I mean, also with the plot of They Live, like someone like Roddy Piper works amazingly for <laughs> he really it. Does. Yeah. Some of the lines he has in this film are incredible. If you've heard some of the stories, apparently, uh, John Carpenter may had Roddy ad-lib, and what Roddy would use is he had a book of some promos that he was kind of spitballing and, and kind of writing and revising, and he, and he picked a couple out to use in the film, most notably... I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. One of the greatest lines in in movie history. Uh, it's I I don't know. It's I love John Carpenter, one of my absolute favorite filmmakers of all time, and this is up there as one of my favorite Carpenter films. Up there with Escape from New York and uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, fun mm. fact about Big Trouble: there was going to be a remake, and of course, The Rock was going to play Jack Burton in that film. That's true. I that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I remember. But, uh, I remember that being. Yeah. But yeah, oh, great film. Eighty-six percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is yeah, that's book yeah. perfect. I think that's a really good rating for that. There. Um, 
Okay, Reardon. What is start off with one of your favourite films of wrestlers? Okay, so I'm going to go for an honourable mention, very real quick. Mm. Steve Austin in the Longest Yard remake. Oh gosh, yes, that's understandable. I, not, it's not a great movie. It's it's all right. It's not not one of my favourites. But I'm going to do it because hearing Steve Austin say the n-word is one of the most uncomfortable things i've ever seen in my life <laughs> what i like i mean you saying that already in itself makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. yeah so he it's a great performance and i feel like it must be said <laughs> so i'm putting that in i'm glad i'm not the only one gosh who feels uncomfortable with that scene because yeah because it's like it's like there's something like I'm so used to Steve Austin's very distinct Texan accent yeah. that the moment he goes like goes for good old boy Texan, it's like, oh no 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 no. I no. think it's that and the whole that just one little bit where he says that this is how a white man plays guitar. And I'm just like, oh yeah, it's like oh Steve. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Steve, mate. Because you get the impression that this is a I have seen I have I have been in situations and I have heard this happen and yeah, I'm just it, going to do that. that can only be informed by personal experience. Yeah, at least, and I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm. at least Bob Sapp knocked in the heck out of made him poop himself in the film. Anyway, <laughs> yes, it is beautiful. So catharsis in that regard. Yes, absolute catharsis. So yeah. so. Um, so yeah, so my that's my okay. So in no particular order, because like all three of these are absolutely fantastic and top tier. Uh, I'm just gonna go for the one that sticks out to my mind: uh, Jesse Ventura in Predator. Yes, yes, I knew yes. that one was gonna be in there, and it should because be. because Predator is probably one of my favorite movies. Probably my favorite yeah. Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. No, nah, I probably um, agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I legitimately think that is his masterpiece. I legitimately think that. Jesse Ventura. Oh, what a great yeah. casting choice and, for Arnold. Yeah, and yeah, and Jesse Ventura, it does a great performance in that movie. For, like, he's not in it for long, but it's a great 80s machismo, and that ends into just pure fear. I mean, I have it, to say, out, out of the wrestlers that have turned to acting jesse ventura has been one of the pretty good ones <laughs> honestly honest oh we'll get to that we'll get to honestly, that when i get to my honest, bad list yeah he i mean he's yeah, had I some know, stinkers he's had some stinkers but honestly before batista i think ventura had the best best track record yeah that and i pretty much soon after this i believe that schwarzenegger cast ventura in the running man after this as well yeah that's right about jesse uh uh, taking this role he got fired from wwf because vince didn't want him to take the role as a matter of fact i believe uh somewhere like vince kind of want thought that hogan should take the role because he's the biggest star um nah, no no and this no, was no. around the time of course that jesse ventura was really trying to unionize professional wrestling uh yeah. and he wanted to make sure that the wrestlers got rights but of course again that got shut down when the when vince was told by Hogan that that ship was going down because uh, Hogan uh, ratted Ventura out to Vince. Yes, um, he did. 
but then uh, Ventura just said, "All right, then I'll quit." Went on to do Predator, got his um, SAG-AFTRA card, and then he said, "Oh, Vince, by the way, I don't need your rights because I've got my rights here with my SAG card." Yep. Good on you. <laughs> We stand. You know what? And you were, and you were in Predator. So what? what can what needs to be said? Oh, regardless of like the silly conspiracy theory stuff that he did uh, of several years ago and all of that, I think Jesse Ventura is a stand-up human being because not only has he stood up to Vince so many times, he's been very much um, on the side of things like Black Lives Matter. Um, when he was in Congress, he was making sure that, of course, you know, all of those legislations uh, and stuff were kind of very uh, more equal ground just ventura cool human yeah. being jesse ventura very cool human being but no this has an 81 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes as well very well, very well put as well for needs, needs to be needs to be higher needs to be higher that movie's an act a legitimate masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, uh, what were your other ones, reading? Because I know you you were going, you were listing them off. Uh, well, I, I thought we were just going to go for the classic, you know, round yeah. the table. So. Round the table in that case, Dan, yeah. with uh, with <laughs> with me taking your number one. <laughs> Apologies. So my number one is gone. But I have replaced it with another one that will be my nominal number one or four or however you decide to run this system. I don't know. I don't really care at this point. <laughs> um. So my number. So my number three. And so I've kind of less gone on. My, I guess mine's more focused on, like, just wrestlers playing roles in films rather than like films built around wrestlers. Mm. Yeah. Like I know that probably sounds like a stupid distinction. But no, no, no. That that that's, that's, that's getting worse. List it becomes clear. Yeah. No, that's an important distinction because that gets into my other honorable mention. Otherwise, otherwise, it would be on the list. Yeah. So my so my number three has got to go to uh, Andre the Giant in the Princess Bride. Yes, yep. that was my that was my number one <laughs> general. Yes, <laughs> I love the Princess Bride so much. Princess Bride's an A star movie. I don't even care what anyone it's, says. I, I who could say anything bad about the Princess Bride? Real talk. Genuinely great, enjoyable movie, but just Andre just worked perfectly for it. Much yeah. to the chagrin of my girlfriend, who, when we recently watched The Princess Bride, uh, had had me going nerding out for ten minutes when uh, when I would talk about Andre the Giant. I apologise, <laughs> Jess. Why? Don't apologise. Don't apologise. What talking about? Yeah, no, this um, is a wrestling podcast. Yeah, screw you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I if I recall correctly, and please, um, I know there are a lot of people who are very knowledgeable on the making of the Princess Bride. So please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Andre the Giant was very nervous in in the filming of this movie because that was like this was his first major like role yeah well yeah i believe it was also he was very nervous just because of like how he speaks yeah mm. and obviously like throughout the course of him wrestling he normally had someone speaking for him yes that's right but he did a stand-up job oh he did a great job he, really he did he fit the role and the character like just as much as he needed <laughs> just now i think that film wouldn't be half as good as it is if it weren't for andre no, Especially that that fight scene as well. That one makes me laugh so much. <laughs> of course, I mean, of course, there's Inigo Montoya as well. But yeah, but, uh, he, he, uh, uh, yes, because whilst not a wrestler, he has the best wrestling promo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, outstanding choice there. Uh, my next one uh, that I'm going to pick for good is Fighting With My Family. I like Fair. this film. It's, it's a really good film. I don't know what it is, but I'm weirdly undecided about it. I think, mm, I think I get for that. me, I can understand that because I feel like it's it's history or it's the retelling of history is a bit miscued. If you're a wrestler, because this is definitely marketed towards wrestling fans, so we're going to watch this. And its history is a little bit all over the place in terms I of don't settings. It it's just something about it just kind of makes it feel like... Um, Again, like again, it's so it's so hard to try and quantify what it is. Hmm. hmm. I, I, it could, I would, I do, do you think? It, do you think it's like? Do you think it's the corporate part of it that kind of bleeds into it for you? I mean, obviously, there's there's part yeah. of it, but I don't know, you can't really escape from. Hmm. Um, in the last one. I guess for me, the thing that makes me feel unsure about it is just kind of like, <laughs> you know, it, it's the company telling the story of the company. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this yeah, was, yeah. if I believe, this was a WWE Studios Film Four and Seven Bucks Productions co-production, um, written yeah. and directed by Stephen Merchant. So there we go. There's there's where the relationship between Dwayne and Stephen Merchant is. Uh, it finally comes to fruition. <laughs> and yes. the wrestler in particular that I'm not that I'm going to put a spotlight on isn't page it isn't the rock it isn't the bevis family it isn't even the big show or sheamus in that one scene no it's to our man and possibly my favorite british wrestler of all time it's jody fleisch of all people having a really having an extra position in the performance center where he's behind vince vaughn's character holding the wwe title Mm. Uh, the man the master of the 720 ddt and possibly well yeah one of my favourite British wrestlers, Jody Fleisch. Jody Fleisch man. <laughs> but yeah, fair, that yeah, is ninety-three percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which really? I think is a bit hard, a my, bit high. Was my one for that movie was going to be um, uh, uh, Tia Trinidad for for being the body double for AJ Lee. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jerry Lynn for that weird, for that weird, that weird, weird. I think it might be. A rip at Jerry Lynn for a woman wrestler called Jerry Lynn. <laughs> I mean, it's entirely possible, but also, like, but also, like, if you're just gonna rib Jerry Lynn and just, just, like, mention any one of the like fifty things that Jerry Lynn has ever done, which is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, I think this is a bit high. I think it, it's definitely an eighty-eight percent fresh. But. Hmm. Ah. Yeah, I don't know that I'd give it a ninety percent, but <laughs> Florence Pugh does a really good job though as Paige. She does. She really does a, a fantastic job in that film. But yeah, um, Ridden, your uh, your your other choice for good okay. films. Okay, so I got another honourable mention, and then I will get into my other choice because Dan took the Princess Bride. <laughs> my honourable mention is everyone in the wrestler. Yeah, that wrestler was going to be my number one choice in this. I one. wasn't see. Would, yeah. See, I I was of very two minds about whether I count this. I was of real two minds. Um, I I don't. Would, mm. it, would, would you say Would you say you would be in less of two minds if I told you that Cesaro's in this film? 
It's my number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. What is he? Is he? I can't remember. Him being in that split moment, Cesaro's in this film. Along, you know, like um, when you noticed our truths in the film. When if when you go yeah. back and watch it, pretty much like that. You like you. Because they, they, they had a bunch of people who used to be in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Yeah, I know that bit. I remember that. Ernest the Cat Miller playing uh playing the Ayatollah as well. Dude, I add. So that's that was, that was gonna be my my additional number one. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so we all picked the wrestler. A little we all picked the wrestler. <laughs> genuinely, uh, Ernest the Cat Miller in that role does exactly what he needs to, and it's mm. a it's an oddly visceral experience hearing someone talk about having left the wrestling business. Yeah, yeah. I t- no, it's it is a pure all and out Darren Aronofsky film. Because, gosh, yeah. man, look, we we I can praise the plaudits of this film, and I think this film is great. But God, it is it is a bleak watch. It is a bleak. It's like because it's like actually um because um I believe it is technically the spiritual um sibling to black swan of all things which was going to to be uh i think what aronofsky originally intended was for those to be one film it was originally the story of a wrestler falling in love with a with a ballet dancer Ah, but he split it into two films yeah so it's kind of like yeah you can really feel the thread between those two movies quite a bit so yeah and Uh, like yeah, I, I, this, oh god, that movie is just fantastic and such a, god, what a movie! But gosh, yeah, I mean, I feel, is it my favorite Aronofsky picture? Yeah, actually, no, yeah, I'll, I will go out. And admit I, you it's know, my I can't, film. I can't even argue with that because it is legitimately even like setting us, setting our podcast <laughs> obligations aside. It is a great, great movie. Mickey Rourke was. Thing about it that makes me love it so much is like I'm. I know I'm saying this as a person who quite regularly the cynic, <laughs> but like it's actually really nice for me as a wrestling fan to like have someone that looks at wrestling and just goes, actually, it's not all flowers. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. like I feel like there's a big point of actually recognizing that fact that a lot of people kind of skip over. Mm. And honest to goodness, I could not think of a more perfect casting choice than Mickey Rourke. Ah, uh, he does it perfectly. Like he is genuinely it's... in tune with it. It's, it's a harrowing performance. There's a reason That's he's in Iron Man two, and it was because of this film. <laughs> yes. Yep. What a lot of people call the worst Iron Man film, but it's not. Too and bad. they would be right. They no, they'd be, be right. right. It's not, it'd it's be right. I mean, it's the worst one. Like, right, any, any, and listen, like... listen, listen. I'm just gonna say this. Oh, it's an on-site beef. If anyone says that Iron Man three is the worst one, it's on-site beef. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, this one has a 98% fresh on yep. tomatoes, and rightly so. Un- absolutely deserved. And that's Can't because of Cesaro it. being in the film, of course. That's because that's because of Cesaro, obviously. <laughs> Oscar-winning like, performance by Cesaro. So does this mean we're going straight onto the bad, or do we have a couple more that uh, we want to... Um, I've, still got, I've still got one more, so if I throw, should I throw my one out there? Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Because, like, all right, look, I know the role is stupid, and I know he's only there for, like, two minutes, but can we talk about Randy Savage's bone saw? Yes. Yes, please. we can. Yes, we can. Possibly... Oh, is, is it possibly the greatest cameo appearance of a wrestler? 
Possibly. Possibly, quite possibly, honestly. Everything about it is just kind of exactly what you need. Because, like, when you think about it, right, like, the whole point of it is he's going to some, like, semi carny style wrestling shows. Like, yeah, if I do it, I can just make some money. And you just have this really, really obnoxiously overblown caricature of, like, an 80s wrestler, <laughs> which which Randy Savage plays perfectly. Yep. There is so much I there I have so many thoughts because that you you're talking about one of my some of my favorite movies now. Okay. So, um <laughs> off the top of my head, one It's a basic the funniest thing about that is that it's basically shoot wrestling. Yes. Can we talk about that? Oh, my legs. God, I can't feel my legs. Yeah, like, literally, it is like, no, you're going to get into the ring, and it is a literal, it's basically MMA-only wrestling. You survive, or you get horrifically injured. Yes, so Can that is Can you shoot that. on Randy Savage for three minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Two. Two. Has any wrestler's veins looked more pop than Randy Savage in that movie? Minus Jinder Mahal. It is unbelievable what he looks like in that movie. Minus Jinder Mahal and Chris Dickinson's head, no. Yeah. Three. Thanks to Randy Savage, we have Spider-Man being casually homophobic. Thanks, Randy Savage. (laughs) Which is such an odd thing. Also, may I add as well that we got two of the greatest people ever to set foot in the... to be in the same scene in Randy Savage and Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that's a... (laughs) that's a packed-ass scene. (laughs) My God. Yeah, also, also, really quick tangent. Spider-Man's gonna, like, if, if we go... If we ever get, like, another origin story for Spider-Man, he's gonna be fighting in MMA, right? That's how it's gonna work. Well, it, it, well according to the game, if you've seen the play the PS4 game, he's res- he actually had another wrestling match against the guy called Crusher Hogan. That's right on the head. That's, that's, that's right on the head, isn't well, it? Well, I mean, that, that was the... That's literally in the comics, that I believe. Well, yeah. yeah, that is in the comics. Yeah, so... Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, yeah no, uh, that... I'm glad Fantastic. that Sam Raimi made that different choice to have Bonesaw McGraw instead of Crusher Hogan. Yes. It's like... I, think just the, I think just the element of it was just like, if you're going to go to that vein, you need someone like that who's going to play a huge-ass character, even if they're only there for like two minutes. Yeah. Randy Savage is like perfect. You get Randy Savage in. There's only a few people you call. Randy Savage is one of them. <laughs> but no, because... I mean, well, I mean, if we're going on like honorable mention stuff, can I throw in my random aside one? Yeah, go ahead. Go on. So I want to talk about a thing which I think is less so in the direct acting department, but still an important part of theatre. And that's the people that have people that use their size and stature for for roles. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I was to talk about one of the greatest exports from wrestling, and no, it's not Kevin Nash and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not even, <laughs> what? Not even Magic Mike. God damn it! But um, I just want to say for for those that remember him, uh, and you'd be surprised to know now the so his real name is Robert Mighty, formerly Kurgan. Yes, Kurgan now basically has a role within the film industry, which is when someone needs a really, really tall hench person they just bring him in yep 
yeah. he's been in like 300 Sherlock Holmes and like a whole bunch of movies just doing that role yeah good for him I love the fight like, scene Sherlock Holmes yeah. Robert Downey Jr. versus Kurgan book it <laughs> <laughs> Discombobulate. <laughs> First, distract target. Then, discombobulate. Then, look at Vince McMahon. Discombobulate. <laughs> look at hard cap. Discombobulate. <laughs> but no, um, great choice. I mean, I want to talk... Like A couple of honourable mentions I had was, of course, the little cameo from Silver King in Natural Libre. Fair. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, fuck. Um, also, as well, Natural Libre, Human Tornado. Yes, Human Tornado. Human Tornado. Natural Libre. Libre is a is a pretty good movie. I will say it's very it's very um Wes Anderson Wes Anderson quirky. Yeah. So if you can't stand that, don't watch the movie. <laughs> don't watch it. But if you can. It's a, it's a good right time. It's an alright time. I will also talk about Roddy Piper, one of Roddy Piper's second films after they live, which is Hell Comes to Frog Town, which is such an out there sci-fi B movie type film. But gosh, it it makes me realise that, damn it, I really wish Roddy was able to crack Hollywood or at least get agent representation and not had to have wrestled late into mm. his uh, into his life, because yeah. he would have been a fantastic action uh, genre actor. Yeah, yeah. I, I really see him being a Mark Hamill kind of guy. Yeah, he would have been. So and I don't. Good. And I don't say that lightly. Mark Hamill is one of my favorite actors. Like, mm. oh, he would have been so good. Anyway, yeah. with the good comes the bad, and boy, boy, is there a crock of shit <laughs> that I've had to watch for the bad films. But we'll, I'm gonna. I'll start off then. Oh, Jesus. I'll start off with 1990s Abraxas starring Jesse Ventura. Holy moly, this is the most horrible sci-fi thriller film I have ever seen. That's a, that's a, that's a bar. So, that's a bar. Oh, Jesse Ventura, God. great actor. He, Whatever he's been in, he's been really good. But one thing I will say, he is not a good leading man. He is yeah. terrible in this film. Um, oh my god! Actually, no. I tell a lie. This this film was actually uh, released in 1991 uh, to select theaters in Canada. Right. And a director video release starring Jesse Ventura, Sven Ole Forsen, who would appear in a lot of Arnie's films as a as a as like the muscle or the henchman for most films, and Jim Belushi. <laughs> Jim Belushi. Oh, <laughs> Jim Belushi is the school principal in this film, but he only appears for a moment as it was a favour to his then wife who was in this film. Huh? Huh? This full film is on YouTube. I highly recommend for people to go out and find it. This film. Why? Because this film is absolutely terrible. Not just on a storyline level, but on a production level. Most of the film you can't bloody see because they shot it at such a low shutter angle. Oh no. The music is just when it's actiony, it's porn type saxophone music. And I know <laughs> that's that such a specific description, really but I know exactly is. what you mean. <laughs> and Jesse Ventura, even though he's playing an intergalactic uh, space cop, he gives the most wooden role and acting I have ever seen a person give on screen. <laughs> so, 
This has a 404 not found on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) And for good reason. It's just terrible. And it is my number one pick as one of the worst uh, films, or one of the worst wrestlers in film, for sure. (laughs) Even though Jesse Ventura, stand-up human being, has done some really good uh, supporting cast roles in films. Mate, you are not good as a leading man. Anyway, Reardon, what is okay. one of your worst films? Look, okay, I could we could go on. I could really rack my brain, and there isn't any any like real um like there are loads of candidates for the worst one, but only one really just sticks the fuck out for me. And it has to be my number one, just straight off the goddamn bat. Triple X, Triple H in Blade Trinity. <laughs> I knew it was coming, right? It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's no good. Shit, nothing about that movie works. That is one that just like, who thought it would work? It's my question. Who I just to put more prosthetics to make his nose bigger in that film. It is. Oh, no teeth for me <laughs> yeah i just i don't even know what to say I think man. this might have been during reign of terror triple h as well uh um, like, i, I want to say 2003 actually hang on so it would have been around reign of terror triple h hang on. hang on hang on let me check let me check let me check 2004 2004 oh, yeah i'm still inside it oh yeah 2003 2005, baby. Yeah, so... Oh, my God. <sighs> yeah, it's not a great role. And I love the fact that, like, his gimmick, his character's gimmick in that is... Is it uh, the pet cat or the pet dog he has? Yeah. You're asking me to remember Blade Trinity. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go over that. Ryan Reynolds was all right in that film, though. I mean, Ryan Reynolds in his, in his never-ending campaign to play Deadpool... <laughs> It, it, no, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Literally, literally watched that. Literally watched that damn that damn movie. He's been trying to play Deadpool for years. <laughs> oh man! All right then, Dan. Your, what, All your right, first well, pick. My first pick for this. Um. Hey, guess what, Hunter? We're staying with you. <laughs> yes, please tell me it is what I think it is. Let's talk about... Well, first off, let's talk about the, the joy of WWE Studios. Oh, fuck. Let's please talk about the chaperone. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> this movie is fucking awful. So, for the people who are listening who, A, don't know this movie's existence, keep it that way, please. Um, for those who know about this movie and haven't seen it, Keep it that way, please. I mean, at uh, least it stars a young Ariel Winter who would then go on to find success uh, in Modern no, Family. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's uh, at all redeeming, but let me try and describe this movie. So this movie basically centers around uh, Triple H, who plays a dad who's in prison and gets let out and then wants to be involved in his kid's life like a good parent. Or a good wrestling parent would be. Yeah. Um, 
And so he's like, hey, I'll go and help you out and, like, help out the school and supervise on a field trip. Like, again, I don't know how the U.S. works, but if, but having worked in education, having a criminal conviction, and just being out of prison is probably not a prerequisite towards that. <laughs> I suspend my disbelief. Um, and then somehow, through some weird way, uh, his ex-bank <laughs> robbing, like, teammates are like, hey... By the way, we're gonna rob this bank. <laughs> are you in? And he's like, "Man, I don't know if I should. I'm helping out on my kid's field trip." And they're like, "The bank's next door." <laughs> <laughs> How convenient! Not gonna uh, lie. So you have this juggling of trying to rob a bank, but also be a responsible parent. And then, of course, at the end, I believe—I mean, to be fair, I can't even remember how this movie ends at this point now. <laughs> I want to say he probably has some kind of realization that robbing banks is bad, but <laughs> I can't confirm that. Would you, <laughs> would you believe if I told you, uh, Dan, this film has a 29% rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes? I imagine not enough people have seen it to bump it down. Also, another fun fact, I believe this film also stars Yardley Smith, who voices Lisa Simpson in The Simpsons. Uh, I believe so. Oh, hold on. Yardley yes. Smith does more things than just voice Lisa Simpson. Yeah, she usually yes. gets cast in teacher roles in TV shows and films. She does? Yeah. I legitimately thought that was all she did. That is fascinating. That is that is legitimately fascinating. But yeah, me. that film has a higher percent rating. I don't like that. Oh, whatever percentage rating it has is too high. Yeah. The Hunter? Like, it had, like, I remember from looking this up, it has like a 5 out of 10 on IMDb, which is, again, still too high. Hunter, you're never going to be as successful as Dwayne, even though as much as you really want to be. Yeah. Also, like, real quick, I know it's it's not bad, it's, it's good. I'm just going to say this really quick on my list of good. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle is a really good movie. Has no right being as good as it is. And there we go. Yes. Is it because of the grape boob spot? It's because it's because not only does Dwayne Johnson do a great job in that movie, but it has unbelievably and I unbelievably underlined one of Jack Black's greatest performances. <laughs> Very true. Oh, alrighty. I'm going to bring this next bad film up, and I feel bad for doing it because we are indeed a part of his rotation, of his royal rotation, oh. and I really don't want to bring it up, and I feel so bad for bringing it up. Uh, Jimmy, in advance, I apologise, but the film you were in was terrible. Yes, it's ready to rumble. David Arquette. Oh. <laughs> I would say one specific wrestler, but it wasn't. It's the entirety of WCW I'm putting out. I'm putting yeah, on this. WCW in what, like 1999? Yeah, this would have been. This was. Uh, now this was a cross promotion or a joint venture yeah. between Warner Brothers and WCW because WCW thought this this would be the thing to get them out of the doldrums of sagging ratings. They made a mistake. They apparently. really did. So this was released. This was released on November 2000 in the UK, so not even like six months before WCW would go out of business in this country. Uh, of course, stars David Arquette, 
and Scott Kahn as two slacker wrestlers who then help out our dear friend and possibly the greatest wrestler of all time, Jimmy King. There is no doubt about that. I, 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 yep. there, there is no doubt. He is the greatest WCW champion of all time. Forever. <laughs> uh, as I say, not David Arquette, as much as people would would tell you that David Arquette is the greatest WCW champion. <laughs> but Those no, people are liars. I just, this, this film is trying so hard to be a wacky comedy and it really does fail to be a wacky out there comedy. Honest to goodness, there is one funny, only one funny part uh, of this film, and it's just a little section, uh, I think right at the end, uh, where I think it was uh, Scott Card's character, Sean, uh, goes to DDP, a diamond upside down is a pussy, and it just runs off. <laughs> and that's the only funny... You know, Martin Landau's in this film, Reardon. What? <laughs> He's in this the power of WCW money. This was Ted Turner money. Oh, right. That makes sense. Joe Pantelano is in this film as well. It's just... And, yeah, Rose McGowan's in this film as well. <laughs> but, of course, we get the, the starring roles of, of Sting, of Goldberg, of David Dallas Page, and the rest of the WCW roster that was there. Apparently, if I remember rightly, Billy Kidd was David Arquette's stunt double in this film. Okay. <laughs> because, of course, it was. That's a choice. Uh, but, no, not a great film terrible comedy and it did not do its job of saving wcw one bit but it did give us the world jimmy king so you know swings and roundabouts this film has a 29 no 23 percent rotten rating of rotten tomatoes yes the chaperone is higher than the ready to rumble wow man (laughs) reardon do you do you have another bad film by any chance oh god okay what was i thinking of Dan, you go. You go while I'm thinking. I had it, and then it lost. Right, cool. So we'll go on to my number two. And my number two is a movie that people probably don't remember, but and it is worth saying. I only re- I only really remembered this movie existing in the first place from like ages of searching through. <laughs> This movie came out in, I believe, I'll say 2010. 2010, yeah. Uh, I believe also another WWE Studios production. Oh. You can't bat a thousand, but you can certainly try and not bat zero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this movie is called Legendary. Oh, is this the John Cena film? This is a this is an, an early John Cena film, oh. and it was about John Cena being a stark collegiate wrestler, <laughs> and, it was, um, was and then his connecting brother. with like one of his relatives yeah. who decided to join the uh, the his high school wrestling team because he wanted to be like his brother or something. I don't know. Now, disregarding the fact of John Cena collegiate wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, for the wrestling fans here, we'll get a nice chuckle out of that. <laughs> the prototype? Uh, like. Uh, so, for for anyone that doesn't know this, um, good friend good friend of the uh, the podcast, I believe it's 
Joe from Damn It Vince, it might be Ellis, <laughs> um, has a separate podcast where he watches Hallmark movies and reviews them. <laughs> oh, God, he's going to be doing that forever. And literally, this is like the wrestling equivalent of a Hallmark movie. No, it really, really is. It's... Um, it, is <gasps> egre- it is egregiously formulaic. To a T. Like, genuinely to a stupid, stupid level. Um, and I guess part of what I wanted to do was just kind of read some of the reviews. So we should say... Uh, let me pull up. Can you find the uh, the rating on Rotten Tomatoes for me? I shall do indeed, whilst we're doing this. Um, Fun fact about this film as well, as I do this... This is the only film that Jim Johnston composed for, which is criminal, if you ask me. Jim Jim Johnston did the comp- uh, did the uh, the soundtrack for this film. Huh. Uh, think... let, let me let me let me read some of the uh, some of some of the uh, like reviews from critics on this. I mean, looking at the cover alone, it it, it I mean. Right, this film, if, if if memory serves me correct, this film also has Danny Glover in it, doesn't it? It does have Danny Glover in it. I believe, it was, I believe it's Patricia Clarkson. Yes, it does, yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, we have a review, September 16th, 2010. Uh, Gary Thompson of the Philadelphia Daily News. There's something comical about the way the movie tries to integrate Cena's massively muscled torso into the chosen atmosphere of casual realism. He looks like something out of Transformers. Uh, Fun fact, although, actually, that reminds me, he was great in Bumblebee. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Trisha Olszewski of the Washington City paper, Clarkson cries on cue, perhaps recalling what an awful film she's in. Jesus. The most heated movie reviews I've ever read, but uh, this film has an eighteen percent rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, a by the numbers sports drama with a death grip on cliches and acting every bit as flat as the mat it's performed on. <laughs> oh ooh, boy, these um, are getting more. These are getting worse. The kind of fake movie that you sometimes see in the background of real movies as a joke. <laughs> um, uh, so I shouldn't um, be laughing like this, but still. Oh, that's just that's that's it's, that's choice. It's, it's like I'm just reading through these. It's just kind of. Uh, there it is. Uh, that was the next one. For a movie with a star wrestler at the center of it, Legendary doesn't pack much of a punch. Hey! Uh, and then my personal favorite one, Josh Bell of the Las Vegas Weekly from September 9th, 2010. Will the whole family come together and heal its wounds? The answer is contrived as the outcome of a WWE match. <laughs> oh! I love it. Fuck it. <laughs> but no, this movie's just like I said, aggressively formulaic. To, oh, as I said, to an absolute T. This film, I remember watching this film on Sky Movies, and after it, I was like, I just wasted an. I feel sorry for you. Life. Go on. Just genuinely, I feel I feel sorry for you, having, yes. having had to watch this movie. Yeah, and it was my brother who made me watch it. So. Oof. Screw you, Mark. Anyway. 
<laughs> oh, man. This brings me to my number one choice. And it's a film I've been wanting to talk about. And it's fortunately a film that Brian Zane has been covering very recently. It is the piece of shit trilogy that is Ultimate Deathmatch. <laughs> uh, oh, Sean Kane, you really, really did trigger me sometimes with this. I don't even trilogy. know what it is with these movies because it's, it's like it sits in the space between like really, really bad independent film to then student film to yes. then kind of like low budget studio film. So, like I. I just, describe the way because everything about it's so bloody amateurish but then the budget that they have behind it makes you think well it can't be like a student film it's done by like an actual guy who wants to be a director exactly it's the budget if if memory serves me correct it was quite a high budget but you wouldn't freaking know that by how terrible the film is edited okay so i have just gone into my mind's eye and it's still like Triple H in Blade Trinity still gets number one for me. But out of a literal like atom photo finish, second place, only because I didn't understand the movie to hate it enough. <laughs> it is Dwayne Johnson in Southland Tales. Yes. <laughs> a movie despite being so bizarre apart from one scene i cannot remember because it's just so weird it, no it really is and not in a, and not in a good way not in that fun kind of artiste kind of <laughs> weird it's just what the fuck is going on <laughs> no i don't no, agree with you and I don't know. I don't know why he's in it. I don't know how they yeah, got him to be in it. I remember happening. Not that I could tell you much about it. I know yeah. it exists. I believe this was the second film with him and Sean William Scott in it. Possibly, uh, maybe. Um, maybe? Uh, this has. I a, don't know, man. Funny enough, this has a. Wow, it really has a thirty-nine percent rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Thirty-nine, huh? Someone, someone found some, some interest in it. All right, go off. Well, I think that's always a thing with some of these movies, where it's like there's clearly some kind of audience for it. Yeah, like someone's gonna be there and be like, eh, it's not that bad. Or I guess a lot of people come at it from the thing of like, this movie is awful. It's the worst movie ever made, and they watch and like, yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, remember here this. If I remember serves me correctly, I believe this was uh, written and directed by the same guy that uh, directed uh, Donnie Darko. Yes. So you would have thought it would have been somewhat alright, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. I do not know what to tell you. <laughs> Alrighty, so before we end a wrap up, I feel I we mean, have... To be fair, before we end, can we cut back to Ultimate Deathmatch quickly? Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I wanted Darn to it. shout a spotlight on a certain series of films, but Ultimate Deathmatch is just... is, is like... There's, there's no way to describe these movies, and I would say the only way to fully understand it is to watch it but i wouldn't wish that on anyone uh, if if you need if you need any sort of context read and go watch wrestling with regret and watch brian's reviews on the first two he's going up to the I third one but only because 
pain of watching it. Yeah. Uh, but he's only he's saving the third one because, uh, well, fun fact if no one knows, but Brian actually has a cameo appearance in the third Ultimate Deathmatch film. We'd love to see it. Attacking it. We can get down from the inside. But uh, no, um, Al Snow, Shane Douglas, Kevin Nash are in this film. There are stories that just don't make sense in this whole thing. Scene to scene is just weird transitions that don't go anywhere. Uh, In the second one especially, the boom mic and cameras are always in shot. (laughs) We need to clarify this. It's not like they're doing it in this like pseudo-documentary style. Exactly. It's 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 it supposed to be... to be an actual theatrical film. It's not like some kind of like mockumentary thing where it's like, oh, we're, you know, we're recording people making this ultimate deathmatch thing. It's meant to be a movie about an ultimate deathmatch tournament. And the worst part, especially in the, for the second film, and I'm saying this is the worst part for an editing compatriot as much as as Reardon is with me. The absolute worst part of this film is that in the final cut of Ultimate Deathmatch 2, for a split second, there is a media offline artifact on screen. I see. (laughs) (laughs) So, someone has to die. They were in the final cut and someone misplaced a fucking image. <laughs> well, they misplaced a file, so it was in the wrong place. So you just have a media offline fucking graphic. Yep. My uh, personal favourite, though, is when they have... Um, it's Al Snow... Um, I think it's Al Snow, Shane Douglas, I believe, Brutus Beefcake? Yes. Uh, and Brutus Beefcake's mic just isn't on. <laughs> so they dubbed him over with another actor. <laughs> it's just not on. <laughs> Final cut, by the way. <laughs> so, what? yeah, look, these films are absolutely... I mean, look, I won't mince my words. These films are absolutely terrible. Oh, they're garbage. They're complete garbage. And... Uh... I, I, I would say I feel ba- a little bit bad for Sean Kane, but I feel like he knew what he was getting himself in to <laughs> these films. <laughs> I feel bad for everyone who was in the movies. <laughs> Including Brian Zane in the third one. No, I, will, I will say, like, um, if there is one marginal improvement from the first one to the second one, it's that the, the second one was shot much better because it was in the OVW arena yes instead of a instead of in a bar in california but <laughs> yeah it's a small improvement they also forgot to take down the aprons with um ovw on them yes. but <laughs> but you know who among us haven't done that that is very true that is very true but no ultimate death match the whole trilogy i'm packing onto this is my worst Alrighty, before as i said before we end i feel like we need to shine a spotlight on a certain series of films that the wwe wouldn't stop making and releasing of course we've got to talk about the masterpiece of mediocrity that is the marine series Oh, this, this series of movies is so stupid. <laughs> what originally started off as a movie vehicle for Randy Orton to be in until they found out that he was uh, dishonorably discharged from the Marines, and so they recast him very quickly with John Cena. <laughs> it has I gone don't on know. To... I 
that's my favorite thing as well, though, is that then they were going to have him in the Marine too. Yes. <laughs> Until he broke his collarbone. Uh, so it seems weird that they'd make such a specific exception for the first one and be like, all right, but for the second one, we could probably just do it anyway. Yep. This film, I, I think it must have a special place in Vince's heart because I just it's they're, they're weird the the marine will films are just really weird man because <laughs> they struggle that place of way to describe them is it's like um i mean because i always describe them as we have die hard at home <laughs> yes. that's fair but i feel like, I feel like it's just kind of like generic mid-2000s action film. Yeah. Um, I think I believe the like, first... Oh, what was the first one? The first like, one you had... Know, you know the thing that you find when you have been like browsing Netflix for too long? Yes. Yes. It's that film... It's that film right at the bottom of the search barrel of Netflix. Like... Um, Hey, again, here's a specific memory for some people that some people might not have. Do you ever go to, like, a big supermarket with your parents and then everyone be like, hey, should we get a film? And, like, you'd have all the, like, the popular ones and they would just, like, as you looked further along the line from the end of the aisle, they just got, like, worse and worse and more generic. Oh, yeah. Also, like, take out of the dead and, like, cockneys versus zombies yeah, and stuff like, like that. that. Oh my like, god, I haven't fought Cockneys versus Zombies in so long. Get to like a certain point. What am I saying? Or like if you go like if you used to go like HMV or whatever. Mm. And then you just kind of keep going through and you get to like the action section or whatever. <sighs> and you just have like all these movies that have exactly the same cover. <laughs> just slightly different. I feel like like I, I look I love the guy and he's great and undisputed, but I feel most of those covers somehow have Scott Adkins on the cover every so often he has done a lot of movies so. he's done a tremendous amount of movies but he always ends up being on the front cover of these films for some reason oh 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 that's actually going way back as a retcon my um my recommendation corner his um his youtube channel his youtube channel is awesome <laughs> the art of action <laughs> What's that? it's great it's legitimately great um, but yeah oh just like um starts off with the Marine, which is a very mediocre action film. I'm sorry. Uh, but it did have Robert Patrick in it. So we did have the T-100, so... Which yeah. they do make a reference to in the film, and it's kind of like a slight nod and a wink. It's like, oh, look, it's Robert Patrick. He was in The Terminator 2, which was an infinitely better film than this one. <laughs> and then Dude, we... I, love it when, I love it when movies are, like, are there and they're like, ha-ha, you get it? It's a thing. <laughs> Of course, I, I had... love it when I love it when movies remind me that I could be watching better movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course, then we had the Marine Beach Resort with Ted DiBiase. I'll never understand this movie. So, for reference, I did put this at my number one spot on worst wrestler movies for no for no real reason. But but honestly, my biggest determining thing was I searched it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and it actually has no rate no rating at all. Yep. <laughs> And for good damn reason, I can barely remember anything from this film, and I'm not going to no, even pretend that I remember anything from this film. It's got Ted DiBiase Jr. in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get on to the Miz era of Marine films. 
I can't believe we have a thing that we have to specify the Miz era. Well, he did the Marines like three through six. He did the whole trilogy. And not just him. Uh, Summer Rae was in one at one point. Summer Rae was in number five, which also had another bunch of random actors. I believe uh, it was Bo Dallas. Curtis, Bo-, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Naomi <laughs> was in that film as well. Yeah. Uh, that was a weird ensemble cast of films. I mean, but then we get to the Marine Six and we then have... We <laughs> which has Shawn Michaels and Becky Lynch, which ultimately Becky is overacting. She's she's really putting too much effort in the Marine Six. Becky Lynch, as always, knows exactly what she's doing. Uh, Shawn Michaels as uh, as the Mrs. character's mentor, I believe. Oh yeah, he's like the guy who was in the like the Mrs. unit when he was in the military but then they somehow get assigned to the same thing once they're out of the military uh, I love, there's a story I love from the OSW boys who managed to get on and visit the set one day um, and they managed to have a chat with Shawn Michaels and so Shawn Michaels comes out of the trailer and one of the OSW boys says Jesus Shawn, you've seen better days <laughs> It's a short Michael's face. Wow. <laughs> oh, I love you, OOC, for just being so blunt and honest. <laughs> just say, Jesus, Sean. These movies are just like something to... Again, they just feel this like incredibly specific cultural niche. So, you know, Reardon will probably know what I'm getting at. The ending sequence of The Marine Six sees the Mrs. character die. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Um, oh, no. But the final boat chase sequence was actually filmed in London. Now, do you know of that very famous uh, set part of London where that disused building that they kind of like that has been in so many films where they need like a Russian set or been in so many music uh, videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, the I one know. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's it's right by the River Thames. Right? Yeah, I yeah. think it's. I think it is near Battersea. It's probably near Battersea because they've always been trying to get stuff for Battersea. It's, 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 either near, it's either near Battersea or it's probably East London Docklands. Yes, yeah. it is probably one of those two. Uh, but they shot the final sequence of that film there. And it's it, for a film nerd and editor, it kind of took me out of the experience because it's like, oh, God, they don't even try masking up, making it look like an, uh, like a, an American town. It kind of just looks like they plopped London in the middle of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I have had the misfortune of watching three Marine films. Uh, the first one, the fifth one, and the sixth one. Um, they are a special breed of films. And I guess, like, it's done the Miz wonders because now, like, his whole Hollywood gimmick was based on these films. Hmm. I mean, like, I'm I'm happy that they're willing to acknowledge them. Exactly. Uh, it's just it's it's perplexing how they managed that that they went all in on that series. When you think like things like other films they've done, such as um, I don't know, uh, Twelve Rounds, which they've done sequels for uh, well, uh, <laughs> The Condemned with Steve Austin and of course their most successful film to date not fighting with my family but that horror film Oculus that was directed I believe that was directed by the same guy that did Doctor Sleep oh wow yeah that was that had I believe that only had one wrestler 
and it was only for a brief second in that film. But it, it kind of had no involvement from WWE at all, which kind of says something about what your most successful oh, yes, film I is. That says something about it being their yeah. most successful film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't know what it says, but it says something. Okay, but like, okay, now we're here and we said it and we made the joke, but like, what are the serious conditions for me to make you guys watch all six Marine movies? Um, Solve World Peace. <laughs> Oh, so basically, I need you need to do what uh, what I did to for for Fatal Deviation, then Dan. <laughs> look, what do I need to do? Look, we look. I say that, and I realise that I've not even mentioned Jingle all the way to because I know that's going yeah, to happen. I actually seen that movie. Who has seen that movie? No one has seen that movie. See, that's what I was like. I know it's probably bad, but I feel like I can't justify it because I haven't seen it. At least every other movie I've seen in some capacity. I feel like we're only going to pop for Santino's cameo and that's it. I feel like the word pop is debatable there. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. That's our Christmas watch along sorted for this year, is it? Oh, <laughs> we're going to find a legal way of watching it. It's going to be like trying to find gold. Oh, basically, all I'm going to say is I'm going to have to buy or rent it on YouTube, aren't I? I thought that time was about peace on Earth. <laughs> Not whatever the hell yeah, this unfortunately, is. Unfortunately, Santa's coming late this year. You're, you are both monsters. And on that note, I think it's time we better <laughs> things up. Like, so, um, I feel like I feel like we've had our Mystery Science Theater 3000's worth of terrible films. Uh, what are your thoughts and feelings now that we've talked about the good and bad of wrestlers in films? <laughs> Is um, it still a long way to go? I, I guess I, for my, I guess for myself, being a, being a connoisseur of bad movies, um, is that just kind of there's no reason why wrestlers can't be good actors. Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, wrestling and acting isn't as clean a transition as many people think it is. <laughs> yes. Um, and like there's obviously lots of wrestlers that have gone on to do good acting work mm-hmm. as much as there have been lots that have gone on to do bad acting work and then there's Hulk and Hogan I, yeah then there's Hogan <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to be fair the thing I'd probably say is at least in this modern time of wrestling I feel I want to say that gap is probably slowly closing a bit yeah yeah Which I'd say that I mean We've now got because, a wrestler who's becoming a presenter for the newly revamped G4, so you know. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I feel like that. I feel like the kind of the kind of gap is is closing down a li- is closing down a little bit as as time goes on. But I don't think that you know. Again, the thing is that they're both very much full time commitments. Yeah. yeah. I guess the question is: Do you think there will be a wrestler that will hit? Ha- ha- well, that will hit the success or the heights that Dwayne and Dave have hit. I mean, if I mean, of all the of all the wrestlers in the world that I thought, yes, he could. Yes, this is a man who could win an Oscar one day. I didn't think Dave Batista would be that guy. So <laughs> anything is possible. I think. I think in the, in the most respectful way. I don't know that anyone will be allowed to get to the point that The Rock ever did again. Mm. And that's more of an indictment on the current state of wrestling and wrestling promotion and WWE. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean... 
I don't see any reason why there couldn't be a wrestler that could make that transition in some capacity. True. I mean, I mean, thinking about it, I mean, I mean like genuinely, honestly, right now, I don't know that there is anyone off the top of my head that I... would be able to do it. Yeah. Um, if I had to say someone in WWE right now. I was like, okay, WWE are gonna like go heavy on their movie studio arm, and they want a wrestler to like represent it. I would probably say I've. Uh... I mean, again, The Miz isn't a really that bad a shout. <laughs> True. Um. Though, if I was if I was them, I'd probably just continue to try and err on the side of finding someone that's going to have that kind of big presence but I don't think it's going to be someone like Drew McIntyre or something like that as much as I feel that they're trying to maybe potentially push him down that avenue I get the feeling that WWE I just don't know that personally I'd see him doing it. It's entirely possible. No. I mean, to be fair, I think the big one, if, it, if we were going to say it, was pro- would probably be Roman Reigns. Yeah. I, yeah, go, I mean, probably. he was in Hobbs and Shaw, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. he was. Um, I would, yeah. um, a dark horse idea. I think that, um, that Bray Wyatt is going to be cast in a stoner comedy and it's going to be ridiculously great. <laughs> probably. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, because I, I, what I would say is, if you're, if you're there and you're like a burgeoning horror director, wow, really? Why it's pretty bad shout. Yeah, I tell you, there was a there was a rumor and there were rumblings going around that Mustafa Ali was campaigning to play Aladdin in the live action um, remake, and I, I would and I would have liked to have seen that. He's not bad. He's not. I, honestly, his stuff in Retribution has proven to me that he he, he could have some acting chops there. No, he could. I mean, there's, def- there's definitely people in WWE that I could see doing it. Because, like, mm. I imagine you could probably have a good... You could have a good few people, like, um, you know, even some of the people down in, like, NXT. Because I see no reason why, like, you know, Isaiah Scott... Or, I know this probably gets sound stupid, Adam Cole. Yeah. Couldn't <laughs> be, like be in like tv shows acting on their own merit question yeah. is when are we going to get ricochet in a superhero role come on marvel dc get your act together someone like that would be amazing <laughs> i mean to be fair we, we're talking about this we even talk about the the history of luchadors appearing in films yes oh yeah damn because my that goodness could be a, that, that is a, yeah that honest, is a whole honest, that's, episode that's that's that's, that's another, that's episode, another honestly. episode within itself but basically yeah. like the entire history of luchadors in films from the 60s where they basically just play superheroes yeah Yeah. oh man i i cannot wait to sit down and research el santo's films (laughs) oh oh, uh, yes i can't wait to do that podcast when you finish doing your research two years down the line pretty much (laughs) good god i think i think it's the one with uh i think it's blue demon and mil mascaris yes there's like a scene where they're all riding like motorbikes together (laughs) and it's awesome it's so awesome. Yeah, so like I, I see no I see no reason why it couldn't I mean again, like I I imagine someone like Alexa Bliss will probably have a burgeoning movie career. I can't off see the that as well. For sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Alrighty then, that is where we're going to wrap up today's episode, all about wrestlers in films. Uh, gentlemen, that was a pleasure as always. And now I kind of need to rinse my eyes because I don't want to remember Ultimate Deathmatch or see uh, Ultimate Deathmatch ever again. Um, I don't blame you. <laughs> the next episode, oh, this is going to be a really cool episode uh, that we're going to be doing. It's going to all be about probably the most hallowed ground in all of professional wrestling. We're going to be talking about Madison Square Garden. Oh, I thought we were just going to talk about backyard wrestling, but okay. Oh, that's, that's cool true too. as well. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> we'll, be to- we'll be getting to that eventually, Ridden. But no, we're going to be talking about the, the history. We're going to make you watch like two hours of backyard compilations. Christ. I can't wait for that day. We, we need to- will enjoy it. <laughs> we'll, be watching- we'll be streaming that as well, Ridden. <laughs> yeah that's it. but no all about madison square garden we're going to be talking about the history that uh that the arena has with wrestling some of the great moments that have come out of madison square garden and it's uh and it's uh current presence now as uh well its relationship with wwe has been strained but within that ring of honor has come out of the shadows to become almost its spiritual successor uh, but that's all for the next episode, all about uh, Madison Square Garden. But until then, I have been Sam, this has been Reardon and Dan, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We'll see you as ever on the next one. Bye, everyone! I got you for two and a half hours! Two and a half hours of time! <laughs>